0: Welcome back to the Blue Eye Report. So happy to have you back. Uh, Today, I'm very excited because we're going to be joined by Sportsnet 650's Brendan Bachelor. How's it going, Brendan?
1: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. Anytime.
0: Yeah. So today, we're going to be talking a lot of Vancouver Canucks. If you're a Canucks fan, you're going to really enjoy this episode. So uh, I'm going to start it off by what is Jim Benning doing? Like, what do you think the plan is? (laughs) Well,
1: you know, Jim Benning now is under a lot of pressure here. I think, um, you know, with the way things have gone for this organization during his tenure, the struggles they've gone through that, you know, with the moves he made this past off season, with the Oliver Ekman Larson trade in particular, taking on that salary, moving a bunch of bad money out, um, you know, acquiring Connor Garland as well, trying to bolster his group. He's kind of pushed his chips into the middle of the table. I would say that you know he's going all in here on trying to make this team at the very least a playoff team Uh, at the most you know a team that can maybe win a couple of rounds and surprise some people and have a cinderella run like they did uh, in the bubble knocking off minnesota and st louis Um, but that that to me is where jim banning is at in his tenure right now is there's a lot of pressure on him to turn this team into a winner into a playoff club and if it doesn't happen it You know, it may be the end of his time as Canucks GM. It'll be really interesting to see. It's going to be a fascinating season in large part because of that, because of how much pressure there will be on this organization to succeed.
0: I know that OEL deal was uh, very hit or miss with a lot of uh, Canucks fans and just people in the hockey world in general. I myself was a very big fan of the move. I thought getting rid of all those bad contracts, uh, only really having to give up a first and a second. Now, I know OEL is a lot of money on that, but I still think he could be a really good defenseman. I thought, I think he can be a top two defenseman on any team in the NHL. Plus getting a guy like Connor Garland. I think the Hall would be a little too much for just OEL. But to get a guy like Connor Garland as well, I think it was a phenomenal trade. So I was, I was super optimistic for this connects, um, this Connex offseason. I thought it was going great but then they don't have their two big guys. These are the key guys they need, and they only have, me looking at cap friendly right now, only have $10 million in cap space, which I myself am a Leafs fan, and which so I know that's not enough to secure uh, two franchise players. So, like, what do you think the plan is to get these two guys back under contract?
1: Yeah, well, they're both going to sign bridge deals, I would imagine, uh, which will bring that cap hit down. uh, As much as many Canuck fans would want to see them signed, in the long term, with the cap space situation, that's probably not realistic. Canucks will likely have a little bit more wiggle room there because Michael is going to be on LTIR, so that'll free up a bit of money. Um, but, you know, I've been asked a lot lately, you know, we're getting closer to the start of the season. Should you be concerned that the Canucks haven't signed Pettersson and Hughes? Uh, and I'm still in the camp of it's not time to worry yet because the way this organization has handled its business in the past – has been that they use the start of the season and the start of the training camp as a as a pressure point. Brock Besser didn't sign his deal until a couple of days into training camp. He missed the first couple of days. Bo Horvat signed his extension two days before the start of training camp. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see that from Pedersen and Hughes where the deals come down to the wire. They get done in late September, whether it's a few days before training camp or a couple of days after it started even. Um, but, you know, talking about the pressure on Jim Benning with the OEL deal that pressure is there too, to make sure that both of his top two young stars are in the lineup for the start of the regular season at the very least. And if that doesn't happen, then there will be a lot of people carrying pitchforks and torches in Vancouver, because this is a Canucks organization that can't afford to let what happened with the Leafs and Willie Nylander a few years ago happen in such a critical year for them.
0: Yeah, I, I I completely agree. Uh, so, what do you think an OEL or not an OEL? Sorry, Elias Pettersson deal could look like? If you think it is going to be a bridge deal, or do you think it could be an actual contract that could be an extension, keeping him locking him up for Vancouver? Yeah,
1: I I, I don't think it's realistic. Just with the cap space, right? I don't I don't see how they could sign either guy to a seven or eight year deal because you know the cap hit's going to be higher. And, you know, particularly in the case of Hughes, we've seen, you know, what the Kale McCarr contract came in at, at you know, north of 9 million bucks. Canucks don't have the cap space to pay Quinn Hughes 9 million because then they wouldn't have yeah. room for Pedersen. So both of these deals, three-year contracts, you know, in the $7 million range, I would say, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a contract expert by any means. So I don't necessarily have a, a list of you know, contract comparables in front of me, but that's sort of the neighborhood I would imagine you're looking at for both of these guys to uh, get them under contract for probably three more seasons each, you know, give or take a year. And then, um, you know, that'll, that'll allow the Canucks to go into this season with the group they want and uh, kind of kicks the tire or or kicks the can down the road in terms of uh, figuring out how to get these guys extended long-term.
0: So i got to ask you, were you surprised of Jim Benning uh, basically undoing majority of his major moves that he made last offseason?
1: Not particularly because they weren't great moves or they didn't work out well for the Canucks anyway. I would have liked to see Nate Schmidt stay in Vancouver just because with everything that happened last year, no fans in the stands, the team having a COVID outbreak. It it was, you know, I, I can't imagine many ways that the season could have gone worse. So for a guy like Nate Schmidt, who I l- really like as a player and I think could have fit in well with the Canucks, I would have liked to have seen him stick around for another year. But again, we come back to the, the cap, you know, issue and, and the, the financial problems that the Canucks are having in terms of trying to get everyone under the cap Well, Nate Schmidt was on a, a lucrative contract. They were able to move him out, create some more cap space. And, um, you know, essentially Oliver Ekman Larson comes in as well. Alex Edler leaves as a, a free agent that they didn't uh, re-sign. So there are some changes on the blue line. And really that blue line is the most concerning area of the hockey team going into this season. They've really upgraded their forward group. Uh, you mentioned Connor Garland, who's going to come in and likely fit in a top six role most likely playing with Bo Horvat and, and Tanner Pearson. They've got Vasily Pod Coles in their first round pick from 2019. That's expected to make the team and, and play in the, the top nine forward group. And they don't have as many of those bad contracts further down the lineup like Louis Erickson or Antoine Roussel or, or Jay Beagle still on the books here because of the trade with Arizona. So, you know, the forward group, I like, I think they're going to produce a lot of offense. I think they've got a chance to to score a lot of goals, but the blue line has consistently been one of the Canucks biggest issues over recent years. And basically this season is going to come down to Oliver Ekman Larson and whether he can be a top pairing defenseman, as you alluded to earlier, or whether some of the decline in his game that we've seen over the last few years is here to stay. And that to me, gets back to what I was saying off the top about why that trade is such a big bet for Jim Benning, pushing all his chips into the middle. Because if Oliver ekman Larson works out, then he looks like a genius. The team does really well in all likelihood, makes the playoffs. You know, the Pacific Division could be relatively weak this year, so they'd even have a chance at maybe home ice advantage if everything goes well. But if things don't go well, then they've got a great forward group that can produce offense. But if, if they can't keep pucks out of their own net, then it's not going to matter for them.
0: So, like as you alluded to, the Canucks have a very good shot at making the playoffs this year, with the Pacific Division being so weak as it is right now. With team the California teams, the new Seattle team, we're not sure how good they're gonna do. So, uh, what what frame like what can you put as an expectation for the, can- for the Canucks this year, with Canucks fans really not knowing now? Because two years ago, I like last year, I thought they were gonna be one of the top division. Top teams in that North Division, coming off of a phenomenal playoff run, being heavy contenders, and then, I mean, obviously, like you alluded to earlier, um, the season just not going well—the worst possible scenario uh, that could have played out. Um, so, where where do you think? What do you think the expectation is for the Canucks this year?
1: Well, they absolutely have to be a playoff team. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've got to make the postseason. Um, for a variety of reasons one because they have made it clear that they are trying to win now with the moves they've made whether you believe they could be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender or not the moves that Jim Benning has made lead you to believe that he is pushing this team in the direction of trying to win and trying to win right now so if they don't make the playoffs the season is a massive failure uh, and there could be all sorts of organizational change beyond that um, you know I think fans in Vancouver would like to see them win a round. It's all going to depend on, you know, do they have Home Ice Advantage? Do they not? Are they a wild card team? You know, all of those things are are going to sort of shake down as the the season goes on. But in terms of expectations, they absolutely have to be a playoff team this year. And if they're not, then heads will roll in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, I I I completely agree with you. I think if with the expectation of the playoffs, what do you think happens if that expectation is
1: not met? Like what happens? Well, there'll be, you know, I I would imagine there would be big change within the organization. Now many people thought that that was going to happen after last season. There were all sorts of rumors towards the end of the year that, you know, Jim Benning was going to be let go and there was going to be a change at the general manager position. And, you know, Travis green ended the year without a contract as the head coach. Um, So there were all sorts of, of, rumors floating around and, and speculation that was happening late in the year. Uh, In the end, you know, the, the ownership of the Canucks, the Aquilini family, Francesco Aquilini came out and and gave Jim Benning a big vote of confidence, made it clear that they weren't going to let him go and they re-signed Travis Green. But that said, for these two guys in particular, there's so much pressure on this season You know, first of all, for Benning, because, you know, he's the architect of this team. He has made some big moves this past offseason. The pressure's on for this team to have success. So if they don't, um, again, anything could happen because I thought at one point that Benning was going to lose his job after last season and he didn't. But I would expect that Jim Benning probably would not be the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks anymore in a scenario where they don't make the playoffs. And then that puts pressure on Travis green because he'd be going into the final year of his contract as the head coach, of the Canucks. And we know oftentimes in hockey, if a new general manager joins a team, he wants to bring in his own head coach and change the culture. Um, So, you know, there is a scenario whereby the Canucks miss the playoffs and both Jim Benning and Travis green and the management group and the coaching staff are not with the Canucks this time next year. Um, now the the opposite of that, of course, would be that the Canucks make playoffs, have a good run. People are happy with the the way the team has progressed. And, you know, maybe Travis Green gets an extension next offseason. But uh, it really is a make or break year for the Canucks. And it's gonna, you know, I find it impossible to predict what's gonna happen because I agree, you know, going going into last season, I looked at the North Division and I said, okay, the Leafs are going to be at the top, the senators are going to be at the bottom. And in the middle, anything could happen, right? Like the Flames could have a good year. The Oilers could have a good year. The Canucks could have a good year. Any of those teams could have a bad year. Same with the Jets. And it was the Canucks that, that had an atrocious year. Um, but going into this season, there will be expectations based around the moves they've made that they can and should be a playoff team in the Pacific Division. And, you know, it won't be acceptable if that doesn't happen.
0: So what, so what positives can you take out of last year with it being such a disappointing year?
1: Uh, It's over. (laughs)
2: over. (laughs) That's
1: that's the main one, I think. Um, There were positives around the team. Uh, You know, Brock Besser had a pretty good offensive year, started to look like he was getting back to the kind of player that we saw early on in his rookie season before he faced injuries and has kind of, you know, struggled over the last couple of years in, in comparison to what he looked like he would be. So that's exciting for the Canucks that that Brock Besser produced well. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, the young Swedish rookie, came in and was by far the best story for the Canucks all year long. Uh, you know, had opportunities to play in the top six, looked at home as a, a young, undersized Swedish player that jumped into the NHL and fit in really well. And then they uh, have a young defenseman by the name of Jack Rathbone as well, who got into the lineup late in the season, uh, showed really well. A lot of people are expecting that he'll make the hockey club as their third-pairing left-shot defenseman. Um, you know, playing behind Ekman, Larson, and Hughes. Uh, so, you know, there, there were positives, and you can always find positives even in a, in a down season. But, um, you know, the, the biggest things that the Canucks will have to fix are the production from their top players. You know, Elias Petterson struggled to start the year and then got hurt and missed over half the season. JT Miller's numbers came back down to earth after he had had a great year uh, prior in his, his first year as a Canuck. Uh, so those guys have to get producing again. And then the power play has to be much better. They were a top five power play in the league two years ago, and they were in the bottom seven or eight teams on the man advantage last year. So uh, their power play has to be better. Uh, Thatcher Demko continu- has to continue to take steps as, as their goaltender, who you know has come in and pretty well proven that he's a legitimate starting goaltender in the nhl and has the chance to be an elite starting goaltender in the nhl too and then you know the big question marks will be around their blue line and whether it'll be able to you know sink or swim but i would imagine if you talk to almost anyone around the canucks organization they just want to completely forget about last year nothing went well on the ice nothing went well off the ice with almost the entire team getting COVID-19 and having to take a a long break in the middle of the season and then play that congested schedule down the stretch at the end that had them playing meaningless regular season games against Calgary after the playoffs had already started, which is hopefully the only time we ever have to see that happen in the history of hockey Uh, because, you know, as someone calling those games, they weren't a lot of fun when you knew that there were meaningful playoff games happening on the same day. So, um, you know, the the most exciting thing for everybody in the Canucks organization – will be that that season is done and they can turn the page and try and come back this year uh, with a new group and be more confident and get back to the team that we saw have so much success in the bubble.
0: This is more of an, uh, like necessarily an entire NHL question, less of a Vancouver Canucks focus question. Uh, But why do you think there was so much traffic at this NHL uh, off season? There's so much that happened. Like I it took me a while. Oh, Flurry's in Chicago now. Oh, like uh, Dougie Hamilton's in, um, in New Jersey. Like, were you surprised about how much traffic there was in this offseason?
1: I was because you would think that the flat cap situation would mean that teams are less able to, you know, splash big contracts or, you know, make blockbuster trades. And yet it happened. And uh, it happened with regularity. It was one of the more busy off seasons I can remember. And, you know, maybe the Seattle expansion draft had some sort of impact on that, where, you know, teams are trying to make sure that they get an asset for a player that they would have otherwise protected. You know, we saw the, the, the Victor Arvidsson trade was a perfect example of that. Um, but no, I, I agree. I was completely surprised that at, at the number of, of moves, uh, the number of high profile, big money signings, uh, and not just, you know, a team like the Canucks that made that big Ekman-Larsen trade, but, um, you know, the, you know, the Seth Jones situation and Marc-Andre Fleury and Dougie Hamilton, like you go down the list, there were so many big moves that happened this offseason and it, it kind of gets you excited for the year to come, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, like. I'm still going through rosters now because I kind of took a little break with my podcast here and just like took a step away from hockey, started watching a ton of baseball and stuff, but like, I'm coming back. I'm like, Oh yeah, that move happened. Oh yeah. This person's now on this team. Like I, I, I was just very shocked about the amount of traffic and the amount of news that really came out of this off season with no offense to Dougie Hamilton, but like if Dougie Hamilton's your biggest free agent, like you're not necessarily thinking like, it's going to be a major off-season period. So I was very shocked about that. But um, so what did you think about the Kraken draft? Because that was also a big thing that happened this off-season.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I was surprised at some of the decisions they made. When I look at the roster they've built, um, you know, they get Philip Grubauer. He's going to be a solid goaltender for them. Uh, they've built a pretty solid blue line with, you know, some veteran guys, Mark Giordano leading that group. But I still wonder where the goals are going to come from. You know, when you're looking at, you know, a guy like Yanni Gord, who, you know, great player in a perfect role for the Tampa Bay Lightning has done, you know, very well for them over the past couple of years, winning a pair of Stanley cups. But if you're asking him to be a top line contributor on your group, I don't know how realistic that is. And I guess we'll find out because these are a lot of the same things we said about the Vegas golden Knights when they came in like, Oh, William Carlson, what's he going to do? Well, he just went and scored 40 goals and you know, that team found a way to really click And went all the way to the stanley cup final so right now looking at it on paper i wonder about the offense for seattle i think you know they'll have strong goaltending they'll be defensively stingy um but they may not be able to score a whole lot but that said you know i'm i'm not i'm going to learn my lesson from what happened with vegas where you know if players are given opportunity to play elevated roles in the lineup you never know what they're going to be capable of and so, you know, in terms of predicting what Seattle's going to do this year, I could see them finishing last in the division. I could see them finishing first in the division. I really have absolutely no idea what to expect.
0: Yeah, like I was, I was very shocked about the amount of players that they passed on. Now I get they're going to have a ton of uh, ton of cap space this year, and they are they're set for free agencies coming um, this year, next year, years down the road. Uh, but. Were were you surprised about the amount of players, big name players that they passed on, like guys like Carey Price, um, Domi, like guys of that echelon?
1: Yeah, Vladi Tarasenko as well was a guy that, you know, we all thought was going to end up there. Um, It it seems to me that they have a clear vision of what they want to do. And a big part of that is having cap space, which, you know, you're right. It'll be useful for them in free agency, but it'll be useful for them in season at the trade deadline too, right? You can, um, you know, build up assets by taking bad contracts from teams or, you know, find a way to acquire a big money player that maybe no one else could afford to acquire because you've got that cap room when it comes to the trade deadline, if you think you're going to be a playoff team. So that clearly was the approach for Ron Francis in Seattle, because, I don't think they were able to approach this expansion draft the same way that Vegas did with George McPhee, because a lot of the other teams around the league learned their lessons about mistakes they made in terms of trading players to Vegas or giving Vegas extra draft picks to make sure they took a specific player on their team and not a guy they wanted to keep. And, you know, you look at the team that Vegas has been able to build with the number of assets they've uh, been able to to bring in as well and you know they're going to be a formidable club in the NHL for many years to come you would imagine um, so a lot of general managers I think learned from their mistakes so Seattle wasn't going to be able to approach this the same way so they I would imagine that they looked at it and they said okay yes we could take a big name like Carey Price, but then we've got all this money against the cap that's going to be there for a number of years. And he's an aging veteran goaltender, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, great player. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, what What's his future? It's it's probably a bit uncertain as to what he's going to be capable of. And so they, I would imagine they looked at it and they said, you know what, uh, if we don't, you know, we don't think that we can, build that team to be a legit Stanley cup contender right away, then we might as well have some cap space because then that gives us freedom to move uh, players in and out and be a trading partner for teams that may not have any other trading partners, because we are still in the flat cap era and in in a situation where not many teams around the league have any cap space. You know, we already talked about the Canucks and where their cap space is at trying to get Hughes and Pedersen under contract. They're going to be right up against the cap. And probably into LTIR as well. Um, to be the one team that has lots of cap space could pr- prove to be very valuable for Seattle in the long term.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is more of a question for you. I got to ask you how how has it been like calling games in the pandemic? Has anything really changed? Have you been doing it from home? Have you been in arena? Like, what's what's the process been like?
1: Yeah, so it's been very different. Uh, in the bubble, we called them all from a studio in Vancouver. So we're watching them on TV, just like, you know, most other fans, albeit, you know, a bigger TV than than most people would watch on so that we can see as, as much as possible. Uh, and then last season, we were in the arena for the home games, uh, which was strange, of course, because the building was empty. And, uh, and there was just a different feel around that, although it was nice to be back in the arena. And then the away games, we called from a studio. Um, So it's been a very challenging time to be a broadcaster in the NHL. There are so many things that you can pick up from being in the arena that you can't see on TV. You know, the goaltender gets pulled and it's behind the play. You can see that when you're in the building, you can't see it when you're watching on TV until they bring up the little graphic on the score ticker that says the goalie has been pulled. Right. And, you know, for anybody that's watched a game on TV, as opposed to, Being in an arena to watch an NHL game live, you know how many things you can pick up from being there that you just can't see on TV, whether it's, oh, you know, a player left the bench to go to the dressing room because he was hurt or, you know, the puck was in that zone, but two guys started a fight down at the other end of the ice. Um, So that, that has been a big challenge. Um, The good news hopefully is, you know, certainly we'll be in the arena for home games this season. Uh, I'm very hopeful and very optimistic that we'll be back on the road traveling as well um which i'm really looking forward to because it makes our job so much easier when we can be in the rink and see what's happening on the ice you know not just the the little box of ice that you get to see when you're watching on tv but really the the full 200 feet and the whole building
0: so you probably know a lot better than a lot of people uh how much of an influence do you think uh it's gonna have on the canucks when you have vancouver fans back in the arena hopefully this year
1: Well, it depends on how they're doing (laughs) because, uh, you know, I think there's a Canucks start the season with a six game road trip. And I think that there will be a lot of pressure put on them based on how that road trip goes. If they go away from home and they come back with three wins out of six or four wins out of six, 500 road trip or better, people will be content. But if they really struggle to start the year and they lose a bunch of those games, you know, we've seen in the past and many people believe that, you know, the main reason that Jim Benning still has his job is because there weren't fans in the stands last year. And if there had been, they might've shown their displeasure, you know, former Canuck general manager, Mike Gillis was famously fired um, very shortly after uh, a loud fire Gillis chant broke out at a Canuck home game. So, you know, Canuck fans aren't afraid to make their voices heard. And if this team struggles to start the year, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If we see something like that, that said they're a young team, that's still growing and trying to develop in the NHL. If they have a good start to the year, if they can really get back to the team that we saw in the bubble and fire on all cylinders and play the, you know, exciting offensive brand of hockey that they've become known for and their star players can, um, have a lot of success then certainly they're going to gain a lot from having fans back in the building and having that emotion and you know even me as a broadcaster I'm really looking forward to it because you know it was so strange you know big goal gets scored and you're hollering calling the goal and it's still dead silent in the rink um, so even me I can't wait to get back into a rink that is full of fans cheering loudly and, and cheering for hopefully uh, many Canuck goals and wins this season.
0: Yeah. So this is more for me and a lot of the people that are in Ontario, in Manitoba that don't necessarily get to get the sense of Vancouver Canucks community. What is the sense of fans going into the season or what is the sense that you're getting off of fans? Well,
1: Canuck fan base is really divided. Um, There is sort of one segment of the fan base that believes that Jim Benning has made some strong moves that likes the Ekman Larson trade that is very optimistic about these teams' chances, or this team's chances. There is a, a segment of the fan base that is at the exact opposite end of the line that thinks Jim Benning should have been fired long before now, that thinks the ekman Larson trade was awful because they're going to have seven-plus million on their cap for the long term when they were just about to get out from under the Louis Erickson contract. He only had one year left on his deal, and they take the, you know, the, the ekman Larson money, and it extends potentially bad money against the cap. Um, and these sort of two warring factions in the Canucks fan base argue relentlessly all the time. And, you know, I, I always joke about it. I, I joked about it on Twitter the day the Ekman-Larsen trade was made, where I, I just tweeted out. I said, for the people that uh, love the Ekman-Larsen trade, it's not as good as you think. And for the people that hate the ekman larson trade, it's not as bad as you think. The truth, you know, is, is always shades of gray. It, it seems to be in the middle. But to me anyway, and especially getting a gauge from Twitter, which maybe isn't the most accurate reflection of an entire fan base. um, You know, it seems like there's one side that loves what Jim Banning has done, thinks this team can be really good. And there's another side that is worried about what the long-term implications of the Ekman-Larsen trade could be, and also doesn't believe that he can get back to being an elite defenseman in the NHL. All
0: right. So, Now can I get your opinion, Uh, what is your, what are your hopes going into the season?
1: Well, again, I I think it comes down to mainly Ekman Larson and you don't want to put pressure on one player, but I like the Canucks forward group. They're going to score goals. They're going to have success. It's the best top nine forward group that they've been able to put together since Travis Green has been the head coach. So in the last four or five seasons, I like Thatcher Demko. I think he's a a young up-and-coming goaltender in the league that will provide them the level of goaltending they need to be a playoff team at the very least, if not even more than that. But it comes down to their blue line. Uh, You know, Quinn Hughes had a down year last year. He's going to get a new contract. He has to come back and be the dynamic presence that he's been. Ekman Larson has to show that at the very least, he can be a solid top four defenseman in the NHL. If not more than that, they'll have a young guy in Jack Rathbone that's going to likely come in on the third pairing that they'll want to see take strides. And, you know, that's just the the left side of the defense. They've got Travis Hamanick and Tyler Myers, and then, you know, uh, a, a cast of characters that could fit in in the uh, on the right side there. But there's a lot of pressure on the top guys, particularly on Hughes, Ekman, Larson, Myers, and Hamanick, who are most likely going to be. Uh, the guys that, that round out those top two pairings. And of course, I'm forgetting Tucker Pullman as well, who uh, his contract was, was not well liked in the Canucks fan base because of the term and the money that he was given. He might be expected to play top four minutes. So, you know, I like their offense. They're going to be able to score goals. I like their goaltending. It's going to give them a chance to win. It's really their back end. And this season will come down to how well their back end can perform. If it performs well, things should go well for them. If it doesn't, things could really turn in the wrong direction for them again so much like I said about Seattle where they could be first in the division they could be last in the division I feel the same way about the Canucks maybe maybe not as strongly as to say that they could win the division just because I I really like Vegas and the way they're built and I think they'll be the powerhouse of the Pacific division but if you say to me today I just came back in a time machine from the end of the year and the Canucks finished last in the division I would say, okay, well, ekman larson probably had a tough year. Maybe they had some injuries. Uh, Their power play didn't get back to where it needed to be, and they missed the playoffs. Conversely, if you came back in that time machine and said, hey, they finished second in the division, ekman larson was great, and Hughes bounced back, and Pedersen had a career offensive year, the power play was top five in the league, I could believe that too. So that's what makes this season particularly so fascinating is because I have no idea what to expect. There's a lot of pressure on this organization to have success. And, you know, we just have to wait until the puck drops to find out how it's going to play out.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me anytime.
0: And uh, before we let you go, would you like to uh, plug your social medias?
1: Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at batch hockey, batch with a T uh, and then you can listen to us call the Canuck games on sportsnet 650. Uh, You can catch them online sportsnet 650.ca. Or uh, listen to my podcast. It's called Hockey Fight. Uh, and you can search for it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And we'll be right back with another segment of Hockey Talk. And welcome back to the Blue Line Report. Thank you again to Brendan Bachelor for coming on the show, uh, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks. So now we're going to have another segment of Hockey Talk. And I'm going to be joined now by my good buddy, Ono Kane. How's it going on? Good. Happy to be back, Jack. Yeah. So we're in our studio now, our, our so-called studio it's my little setup in our basement here, so me and Owen are actually in the same room for the first time ever, I think, recording an episode, so very exciting, very exciting stuff here. Um, So, Owen, glad to have you back, and, uh, like, what have you thought?
2: How you doing? Uh, How you been? Good, good. Just following all the hockey. There hasn't been much as of late until the offer sheet. Yeah, exactly. And- We'll obviously get into that yeah. later in the show, but uh, yeah, school's coming
0: up. You excited for school? No. Yeah, neither am I. This is coming <laughs> out on the Monday night, and uh, yeah, school starts tomorrow. I'm not excited about it. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not excited about it. No, nah, I don't think I own is either. But we'll we'll get through it. So, uh, but you don't want to hear us talk about school. You want to hear us talk about the NHL. So let's just do that. Um, do you, let's start off with uh cocking Emmy What did you think about the whole offership uh offer yeah offer sheet dilemma there?
2: Well it's it's tough. There's so it started off as I mean, people thought it was a petty revenge. I don't know. Do you think it was a petty revenge? Do you think? I mean like he came out and said it was only for the player, it wasn't revenge. I don't know. I think it was revenge that backfired on them. I really
0: do. Yeah, I they, think it wasn't a great... It wasn't a good move at all.
2: Yeah, they offered like, him one years, one year, six million. Six point two five, I think. One, two, five. I believe six point two five. Yeah. Uh, you probably have the numbers right in front of you. Something but... like that. And then, apparently they have a long-term deal in play. Eight years, four million. Uh, so he's going down from what he originally signed for. Yeah. I don't know. Like... I I think it's a really 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 smart play by Montreal to let him go. I think because if they gave Kokoniemi 6 million, think of how much Suzuki's going to ask for. He's going to want 8. He's going to want 9. Yeah. And this is just a sign to him that like, hey, hold your horses. You're going to get like 6 7. We're not we're like we're not going to dish out the money. We're not going to be a be a be a team that just dishes out the money like that. So and they get the first and the uh, first and the third. They trade the better first round pick. So the and the uh, seconds they gave their second to Arizona and mm-hmm. the conditions on the first round pick that they traded were whoever has the better pick out of the Carolina and Montreal, but they have top ten protection on it. So if they get a pick, if it's in the top ten, yeah, then it stays with Montreal for the uh, for the economy? for, d- for Dvorak. Dvorak. Okay, cool. And Dvorak... He's... I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't... he's better than and Yemi, But he's... What? Dvorak is better than Kakenyemi. Dvorak Yemi. is not better than and Yemi. Yes, he is. He is... He's right obviously now, not better than Kakenyemi. Right now, Dvorak is better than and Yemi. When now, was dra- Dvorak drafted? Dvorak was drafted. Where was he? Where was he drafted? He
0: wasn't drafted there overall. That's all I know. I know, but... And Yemi has a way higher ce- uh, ceiling. Do you know how tall uh, or how big... No, I know uh... how
2: tall, but do you want Do you
0: know like... how big... Uh, uh, do you know... That's. No, do you know how old Dvorak is? He's only 25. He's only 25, okay. And um, Kakanyemi is 22, I believe.
2: Yeah, but here, I'm pulling up Christian Dvorak's stats. I'm basing this on stats right now. I'm saying Christian Dvorak, at this time, is a better player than Kakanyemi. Now, I think Kakanyemi will grow into a better player. Yes, Christian Dvorak, at this time, though, is a better player. Who would you rather have
0: on the Oilers? Now, this is for you because you're a diehard Oilers fan. Right anyone now, who's a new listener. Who would you rather have? No, 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 Just who would you rather have in the Oilers? Kakenyemi or Dvorak? Kakenyemi. It's not a question.
2: I'm, I see the... I, I, I know, know you're
0: trying to prove your point with Dvorak, but know. it's Kakenyemi. Kakenyemi was the third overall pick. He has the way higher ceiling.
2: is the better player. Dvorak... He's got higher ceiling, feet. yes. But right now, if you look at the stats, points for Dvorak, he's gone in the past... He's, his lowest scoring season was were in eighteen nineteen where he was injured, only played 20 games. Okay. What was his highest scoring season? What was his highest his low. His highest scoring season was 38 in 70 in seventy games. Now think 82.
0: 38 points in 70 games, and that's who we're thinking is better than Cock and Right now. Right, right now, now. If you look at Cock and stats, let's go. Cock and hasn't gotten a chance. He hasn't played in the first or second. Exactly. This he is hasn't the year gotten that... a chance.
2: But that... That's this still. is the year
0: that he's supposed to, because uh Montreal, sorry, Habs fans, but you have no uh no center depth whatsoever. So the fact that he gets such a big opportunity with Montreal being a first second line guy, probably being the second line guy with uh Suzuki being on the first first line, sorry about
2: that. Uh his most points are less than Dvorak in more games. What was his more what was his most points? Thirty four and seventy nine. Thirty four and seventy nine, and what was Dvorak, right? Uh, he was thirty-eight and seventy. So that
0: Dvorak is the one playing first and second line minutes. Kocky no, and I, Yemi get I get first that. I get minutes. But if, if you year. just hear me out
2: here, right now at this time, Dvorak is a better player. I think Kock and Yummy. It, it's really close, but, but I he's think... not. I think Dvorak's just gotten a bigger opportunity to play because Dvorak's only played on a. Well, he's played he's a contender opportunity, so we don't know if he's a good player. Like we don't know. If he's I know a he's a good good better Dvorak player than Devorak.
0: That's what I know. I know he's a better player than Devorak. Yemi has a way higher ceiling. Like Montreal's asset management has been very poor. Like I get giving away Yemi, but then going to get a guy like Devorak. And hey, Devorak will be good on Montreal, but the price they got was crazy. At the end of the day, let's say first both first round picks cancel each other out. They gave a first round pick, but they got a first round pick. So let's say those cancel each other out. So at the end of the day, after these two deals, Montreal gave up cock and yemi and a second for Dvorak and a third. Let's say let's say straight up. Is that a fair deal?
2: Let's just say cock and yemi for Dvorak.
0: because no, the picks matter.
2: Okay, so we're saying we're A saying... second
0: and a you gave up cock and yemi and a second for Dvorak and a third.
2: I'll take the cock and yemi in a second, yes.
0: Obviously, but Montreal—that's what they gave up. And let's be honest here. I know I canceled out the first-round picks, but Montreal's first-round pick is going to be a lot worse than Carolina's because Carolina's going to be a con- con- contending team. There's a reason they're spending this big money on guys like Cockney and Yemi, uh, and I, I would have said Dougie Hamilton, but that—that's uh, w- how they didn't spend. I get you want to be petty and stuff, and it was a great marketing standpoint but like the pr the pr game's done and now you have a full year with this
2: guy so carolina was... hasn't had the greatest off season, to be honest Signing cocking to 6.25 yeah. getting rid of nadelkovich because well, they didn't want to pay him well hey getting frederick anderson 5 million well i
0: i you think they had a great gar, uh goaltending the day phenomenal Najolkovich. It's not that they didn't want to pay him because they paid five million for Anderson. They didn't so want to pay that they... though.
2: That's why they traded him. They said they didn't want to pay him. Uh, no, well, they traded him.
0: They traded him because they got Ranta and Frederick Anderson. Who? Let's be honest here. Anderson at full health is better than Najolkovich. because Nadalčević is a one-hit wonder.
2: We don't know if no. He this is the no. It's just it's same with Delkovich's Ranta. First Ranta's season. better than Najolkovich. i mm, I'd say Ranta. Right. Ranta. Ranta if you can have the be. conversation, Randa's better, better now. Yes, but it's it's he's getting yeah. up. At the, hey
0: Owen, at the moment, at the moment, <laughs> Randa's better than Djokovic, uh. So, uh, I think Carolina did great. Carolina didn't do so great in the cock and Yemi, but whatever, you can live with it because cock and Yemi's going to be a good player this year. Um, Carolina kind of failed. Montreal definitely failed. Arizona.
2: Got I believe they draft have draft picks this year. I
0: believe they have five second round picks. They've got twelve draft picks this year. That's amazing. Just reiterate that. That's um, amazing. If they are completing the rebuild to a T. I love That it. is how I, this
2: is how it's supposed to be. That's work. how you rebuild the team. Look at the picks they're trade. They're just taking on, like, they're taking on uh Erickson, they're taking on uh God's Despair, they're taking on all those bad contracts. That's how you do it in the NHL. And they're nowadays. getting picks. And, like, all those contracts are going to be up in one, two years. Salary cap is more valuable than it's
0: ever been. So I get people making the argument, well, they saved $2 million on uh on, Devorah, uh, on Cock and Yemi. But I, I, that's a different point. But, like I said, salary cap is super valuable nowadays. And Arizona's taking advantage of it. That's what any NHL team has to do if you want to go into this rebuild. And that's why... I think it's a great thing to take on bad contracts, take on that Ericsson, take on that glass of spare, uh, because salary cap's the most valuable it's ever been, and if you can get good salary cap, like, if you can use your salary cap like that, then you're playing the game, and you're, you're playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, and their arena situation, do you want to touch on that? I mean, we should, we can. I'm. Not- I don't know much about it. Like, I just heard they okay. lost the
0: lease to the arena. So, all so you I probably know, know more about is it. that the
2: city of Glendale doesn't want Arizona to play there anymore after this season. They're kicking them out. Arizona's put in a file with the city to try and build a new arena in a town. I, I forgot the name of it. Small town. It's a, It's uh. It's like the rich neighborhood of Arizona. It would be like and what Canada would... is to Ottawa. No, no, no. It'd be like a... No, no okay. it's like a. It's like a rich, like posh area. It'd be like a. Canada's a fairly rich and posh area. Not really. Well, compared yeah. to the rest of Ottawa. Yes. Okay, well, it kind of is. But it'd be like. Um, they,
0: that's what the comparison would be too. I Not I in the town. It's an it's a I guess it's an arena not in downtown and it's in a rich. It's arena. not in
2: Glendale. It's in an area where there's less traffic to get to the games. Canada, where there's <laughs> we could walk to the arena. So it's more yeah, fun. oh, I love I love it being Canada. We can I could bike to the arena. It'd be yeah. sick, you know, like that's lovely. But sorry, continue. Um, so they're they're in an area where they're gonna get more fans, and maybe not this year, maybe not next year when they're gonna be. God-awful with Louis Erickson as like on their power play. Um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but um in a few years, when those draft picks start developing, Woo. they're gonna be a good team. They're gonna be a They're team. gonna be a good team. With Shane Wright, I'm calling it, they're getting Shane with Wright. Shane Wright. Oh, they're okay. getting Shane Wright. I love it. They're gonna they're gonna be pretty good. And Shane Wright led Arizona Coyotes. Imagine a line of Shane Wright, Clayton Keller. If you get Clayton Keller some wingers, I think he'll he'll have a breakout season for
0: get a final, Shane Wright, Clayton final. Keller, Louis Erickson line. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> good luck stopping that one. But uh yeah, it'll be I think Arizona's playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. So uh good job, Arizona. Uh sorry for the fans. It's like the first time few years good are gonna job suck to Arizona. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, eh? Uh these next few years are gonna suck Arizona fans, so Sorry in advance, but uh, hey, it'll be worth it in the long run. They're gonna we pull in Ottawa. They are gonna pull. Wow, nah, they're doing it better than Ottawa. Hmm.
2: I think they are. I think they're doing it better than they, Ottawa. They got more draft picks, but Ottawa, Ottawa the their prospects, they're they're. Hey, Ottawa's the great at drafting. Hey, like yeah. as much as as, as much, as much as hate it. as
0: Dorian gets, like they get their. I believe I saw a stat yes uh, a they're few days ago that they had forty one percent of all their draft picks since two thousand ten. Have played at least more than 10 NHL games, which is awesome. And
2: that's really good. That is pretty awesome. That's, that's the, like factoring in. It's the best in the league, yeah. That's like factoring in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh oh, round yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. They're late round. Like. Martin Mark Stone was in the sixth round. Yeah. Look at him now with Vegas. Captain. Like. Yeah, no, like their late round picks are amazing. So like Ottawa's Tampa doing Bay. great. But, like,
0: this is. I, I think this is different than Ottawa. They're, like, completely, trenchly. Blowing this thing up, which We're is like which everyone's first do. round pick, exactly. Just so they have a chance to get first, coming. second, and third overall, they're gonna pull a gonna pull a Vancouver and get the get the twins. Yeah, <laughs> who, who are the twins? Who are the twins? Well, yeah, you know, I uh, you know what I'm saying. There's no twins this year, but they're gonna get first and second overall, or I
2: guess they was sick and then third overall. But Shane Wright and Brad Lambert, one's from Finland, one's from Canada. And exactly, twins. the twins,
0: <laughs> twinning. Uh, so yeah, um, Arizona, good job.
2: Arizona's twining their way into the playoffs in a few years.
0: Exactly. So, uh, let let's touch on our teams because we haven't talked like at all since free agency, crack and draft. Now we'll cover that. But like, I thought of doing a big episode of like we overhaul this, but everyone knows what's happened. Like we don't need to tell you that. The Kraken should have done this or. Toronto should have done this in free agency or Edmonton should have traded this player. Like, you, you've heard all that stuff. So yeah. we're just going to give you our fresh takes and we're not going to try to dwell on, like, everything that happened this off season because that'd be a lot. So, uh, Owen, how'd you, how would you grade your Edmonton Oilers offseason?
2: B. A B. Why are you giving it B- a B? C. Around there. Why is it a B-C? Love the acquisition of Hyman. Love it. You're lo- you're, love I hated it. the acquisition of Hyman. I uh, love it. You're going to love him in Edmonton. I'm going to love him. The contract's not going to age well, I'll give you that. It might not age well, the style of play he plays, but still. But who cares about eight years from now? Who cares? cares? Yeah, exactly. We're, going, caring, we're be going, be going to win it. now. Exactly. And that's that's what we need. Hyman is the perfect player for Edmonton. Yeah. Who cares
0: about eight years from now when you got to cup to win in the next few years or
2: McDavid says oh exactly and dry saddle (laughs) and dry saddle exactly and the entire roster exactly I didn't like losing just today I didn't like losing Cahoon Dominic Cahoon did they lose to Cahoon? he signed uh, for SC Berlin for three years so did Dennis Molligan he signed for four years Ooh, Dennis Molligan Leafs legend right there um (laughs) but I didn't like that we didn't get a goalie I I as much as I liked Smith, I don't. I'm not comfortable running back Smith and Koskinen. We were we were so deep into the trade with Darcy Kemper, and it came down to two players. Colorado offered Connor Timmons. We offered Raphael Lavois. They liked Timmons better than Lavoie, and so they took. How that do you trade. got? How do you like? At that point, like,
0: if you're giving up Lavoie, give up someone else.
2: Yeah, give up someone else just to get it done. Like,
0: give Lavoie and someone else. Yeah, just. You like you're that deep in, like you gotta do something. Exactly. Goaltending, there was their biggest problem last year. And
2: we could have, we could have signed like Carolina did. Like we could have gotten Auntie Ranta for like three yeah. million. We could have gotten.
0: Nadolkovich you could have been the partner with. We could have
2: gotten. The, we could have gotten Nadolkovich exactly. So but
0: many. Didn't. D- so many and goalies we... on the market this year. You exactly. gotta got. You could have gotten a Peter Mrazik.
2: And um... then we went back with Koskinen and Smith. So I don't like that at all. But hey, whatever. I want to talk about this Oilers defense because. Our defense, Oof. yes, it's not looking the greatest. Oh, rough. But I'm confident in Evan Bouchard having a breakout year. Um, I'm not putting confident in Duncan Keith in the same sentence. Um, no. Not confident about that. The Ethan Bear trade, I didn't like. Nope. Loved Ethan Bear. He was great in the community. He's a great player, and they traded him away. He's great on and off yeah. by this player. I do like Warren Fogel. Okay. I like what he brings. To he did, the table, but, but like not for Bear, not for Ethan Bear. He's like one of our really like top defensemen. I'm fine with Nurse and Barry. They're probably gonna carry a lot of the minutes, like a lot. But so, so I got a question. The Cody CC signing, yeah. I didn't like it. It was a lot. Of, it's a lot of money. But I they're banking on Cody CC fitting in well here in Edmonton, and I think I think hey, he brings he brings what we need to the table. But maybe for, like, $1 million in the season instead of, what did we give him, 3 4 Uh, They gave Cody CC. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking here, Uh,
0: $3.25 million, yeah, which is too much. It, it's way too much, oh, but it's. his fans know it's too much. CC knows he, it's too much, that's he, why he signed he, it. That's why he signed it, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I gotta ask um, you, what, is, what does this defensive pairing look like? Like, I say it's Barry Nurse. Barry, Barry Nurse. Okay, that's... You gotta have it like that. Yeah. You can't. Really. Both are super offensive, so that'll be a really weak defensive pairing. But like, nurse,
2: is, nurse is really good defensively, though. It's, he's 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 not really good, but he's good defensively. He's, he's getting dry, better, though. but like, yeah, okay. I wouldn't want nurse as the defensive defenseman
0: on any pairing.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And then I'd say it's like. So it, that's a weaker
0: defensive yeah, line, but it'll score points. All right, who's your next line?
2: It's like so. It's kind of it's kind of hard. So. I don't, our second line, as much as I don't like it, like, I like the player. I didn't like the trade past his prime. Duncan Keith, he'll be on a pairing with, like, Cody Cece? He'll, yeah, it'll be like. So you're telling me it's Nurse Barry, Keith Cece, and then I'd say it's Bouchard and Chris Russell. Yeah, or, like, Slater. Or William Lagasson, or Slater Coop. Someone in that. Switch in one of those guys. I like Chris Russell, though. He's, He's an absolute. Gone with blocking shots. Yeah. You know, that third line is
0: a decent third line, but I really want to hammer home the point of that second line. No, I get it. I get it. That's weak. That's, that's a not an NHL one. Oh, here goes my phone. Glad to see your phone going off. You mind? you mind hanging that up? Thanks, man. There you go. Glad to see you put your phone on silent. That's podcasting 101 right there. <laughs> Recording 101 right there. Uh, but. Um, like how are you? What are you supposed to do with that line? Like that's that's not an NHL line.
2: That's it's a it's an NHL line. It's, it's not, not a second NHL pairing. Line. It's not a second. It's pairing. not a playoff line. No, not at all. And you're running know. that into the playoffs as
0: your second line. I don't know. So we'll let's to- say they play Toronto. I know that it would only happen if they made it to the Cup. But let's say, for we'll example, see. just because I know Toronto off by heart, because their second pairing is Muzzin and Hall.
2: That's good. That's good.
0: It's like it's good line. Don't get me wrong. It's a great line, but like it's not even the best second line defense in the league. And that is head and shoulders above you could head and shoulders above second line and I think it is better than the Oilers first line. Yeah. D pair? Yeah. But like you can I, make the argument. Can you can make, make the, argument. the argument. Yeah. Uh but like head and shoulders above that second line. Which in the playoffs is gonna, it's really gonna, it's a matchup game in the playoffs. And I think the Oilers know that better than anyone being yeah. completely targeted when it's whenever McDavid and Dry Saddle are off the ice. They know it's a very heavy, ma- matchup heavy game. And teams are trying to go against McDavid and Dry Saddle. So they know that. But how are, what are you supposed to do when you have guys? And like maybe it's not even defensive pair. Let's go to uh, Toronto's second offensive line. It's going to be something of Alex Kerfoot, John Taveras, and William Nylander against okay. against Keith I, and Cece, which no, no, no. which which like which is the worst defensive pairing in the NHL. Yeah, can we can I, we surely say that that is the worst defensive, defensive pairing in, in the NHL? NHL. Yes. So when you have that going up against teams that have superstar well, second we do, lines.
2: Don't get, don't get too down, because by the playoffs, I'm pretty sure Clef Bomb could return. So Clef Bomb and CeCe. So Clef Bomb and Keith, maybe? Nah, uh, they're both lefties. So oh, Clef Bomb and CeCe. Oh yeah, they are. Damn. Okay, I was, I was going to be pretty confident. I
0: was going to be like, uh eh, Clef Bomb and CeCe is
2: Clef-Bomb better. Clef Bomb are our best defensive defensemen.
0: Yeah, Clef Bomb and CeCe is better. It's not amazing. Yeah. It's it's all right. That, that's a line you can live with there. Oh. But when Clefbon comes, we'll see if Clefbon comes back. So, like, I'd give it a C. I think they got really good with uh, Hyman, and you're going to love Hyman. On offense, they got super, super strong this year. And, uh, like, it's a great—I love the Derek Ryan signing. I really loved it. I think Yeah, that would be I, a good, I like Derek Ryan. I think he'll be good. there will be a good pickup, and, like, you know— it's just a good, good signing. So, like the Oilers got better on offense, they got a lot weaker on defense, and they didn't improve on goaltending, which was task number one. And by the way, uh, they still got to sign Yamamoto. What's happening there? Where? Yamamoto. Oh. They still got to sign Yamamoto. Yeah, that with uh, three point two two three million dollars now. Um, Maybe one year. They'll do. put bomb on uh, LTIR so we McCle- will try to pull a Tampa yeah. in the playoffs if Kleppham um, does come back. So they got 7 million, let's say. Yeah, 7 million to sign uh um
2: uh, what's Yamamoto. Yamamoto, thank you. I haven't you, really heard much on the situation. Yeah, what's happening it? there? I don't know. I hope we sign him. That's pretty much all I can all I can say about it. I haven't heard much. But hopefully we get him signed before the season. Maybe a one-year, like, $3 million deal, and then they promise him they'll give him more. Yeah. Something like that, because they can't really give him much. Or or, he, or he's he does he's a jerk, and he holds out. He can do that. Yeah, yeah he could. Pull a Willie knee.
0: Pull a Willie knee. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll have a better look at the team once they sign Yamamoto, but for right now, I'm giving him a C. I um, can agree
2: with that. And what was
0: your rating? A B? I, I said B to C. Okay, so let's say B minus. B minus. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Now let's look at the uh, the other favorite team on the at the table, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I'm gonna give this team. Sir, you give your rating first, because I gotta pull up their cap friendly.
2: Okay, so So if you
0: gave an off
2: off off season, season, off season, I hmm, that's pretty hard. They didn't really do much. Uh, I'd give them a B. A B. I'd give him a B. So I agree. I, I think like the, I like the Morazic I like Mrazic. Uh Where did Rennick sign again? Nashville. Uh, Riddick signed in Nashville, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So they lost Rennick. They lost Jumbo Joe. So yeah. that wasn't Destin, but yeah,
0: like I think it was a B. It was it like they, really sucked that they they got a bunch of good value pieces in Michael Bunting and like yeah um, Andre Kasha, David
2: Camp, and I, Nick Ritchie. Nick Richie was the big did, one. I think what they did was they just tried to find players who could play that play style that Hyman did and try and yeah. replace him.
0: Cause... They tried to replace Hyman with three different guys. Yeah,
2: and I, I think, think that's like... We'll Hyman, see if it works, but... Big loss. I think it will. But you, you got some good players in return. I'll give you a B.
0: Yeah, I think it was a B. Hyman was... Like, and unfortunate, I think it was the first year since the Matthews rebuild that we're not going to be better on paper than we were the year prior. Yeah. But we got grittier.
2: Exactly. Which that's what might help
0: us out. Who knows? It's the first year we're not a better on paper than the year before, so we'll see. Maybe it, that works. You've always been better and you've always maybe, lost maybe. In the playoffs. Maybe. Yeah, so no, thanks. Really? Worse. Did we? Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that works. I mean, there's not too much to say. I liked Peter Marazic. Um It's a decent contract. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's 3.8. It's a little much, but I'm fine with it if you are. <laughs> yeah, so like, he's always been in a tandem, and I think if you get a tandem goalie, he's always been a tandem. He'll be fine with going into a tandem yeah. with Jack Campbell. And I think Jack Campbell is a one, and I think, um, or one a, and I think, uh, Mrazik is one b, but yeah, still, I think if you can get Mrazek and Campbell going back to back, I think you'll you'll be set. And um, something I really am excited about is Josh Hosang. We signed him to a professional oh, tryout. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a Good. lot of teams will wait until September and uh, October, start of the season, for training camp to sign PTOs. And you'll see a bunch of them in the coming weeks.
2: I heard Vancouver's interested in Tyler Ennis, which is...
0: Okay, so yeah, that's, that could be another PTO. I don't like but
2: I like Tyler Ennis.
0: I like Tyler Ennis, too. Boilers um, legend. Leafs legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's played for both of our teams. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and like the PTO, I think the good thing about this is Toronto's like we're gonna take a chance on Hosang. He hasn't worked out in the in in the aisle in New York, so like if you can give him the full summer with the Leafs training equipment, with their staff, with the the, the facilities, because let's be honest the here, works. exactly, it's the Toronto effect. Not many teams can bring to the table what the Maple Leafs can, because they're the Maple Leafs. So I think having him over this summer is going to be great. You know, Try him in, in with the PTO, and I'm excited about that. And then I really like Michael Bunting. Hopefully he'll be a good player. We didn't touch our defense, which is good. I don't think we needed to touch our defense. We didn't really lose anyone in the expansion draft. Didn't we just lost. You he, he lost your
2: legend, Dennis Mulligan, but... Uh, Jared Jared McCann. McCann. Sorry, Jared I McCann. always get them mixed up. Malgan and McCann. I don't know why. Really? I don't
0: know why. Yeah, it's... okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, McCann, we lost him, but like he didn't play for us. So I'm not worried about McCann leaving. It'll it would have been nice to have McCann, don't get me wrong, but it's asset management like right McCann. there. And Dubas is one of the best when it comes to asset management in the NHL, mm-hmm. so I'm really not worried about losing McCann. So it's really Time to run it back. I'm not worried about Michael Bunting and Nick Richie when it comes down to game seven. I'm worried about Matthews and uh Matthews Martyr and Taveras. You shouldn't be worried uh, about bunting in game seven. I oh I oh I'm shaking in my boots <laughs> bunting in game seven. But uh, yeah. you know, we'll see bunting, we'll see Ritchie, we'll see Kasha. Hopefully we got to see Robertson this year. I'm excited to see if he can make him make a way into his line into the lineup so um, you know, I'm excited about this Leafs team. I'll get, I'll be more excited when it comes to you, but l- it comes to game time. But, uh, yeah, it, like, it's not much happened. We lost Hyman, which sucks. And you'll, trust me, you'll love him in Edmonton. He's a great player. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, you can give it a great grade or you can give it a bad grade. It was pretty meh. I'll yeah. give it a B, B-minus, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, that's our, uh, Leafs and, uh, Leafs and Oilers rankings. Not Sens. We'll do Sense next episode. We'll we'll touch on all the rest of the Canadian teams next episode. Just Owen's got soccer in a bit, so we probably have to go in a few minutes. But I know this is a shorter episode. But um, Owen, so we we have two things we can go down. We can we can either do we can either try to jam in the question of the week, which um, you don't really know, but kind of do. We could try to jam that in. Uh or we could try to we could talk about
2: um what else could we talk about? We could talk about let's do question of the week and then whatever is next we could fit in next week. Okay, awesome, let's try to do that
0: because question of the
2: week. Might question as well do of
0: the week. It this week. Might as well do it this week. Exactly. Okay, so um Question of the Week is uh the Team Canada. So the Olympic. if you didn't know, NHL uh, got invited to go to the Olympics. So NHL players such as Conrad David, Austin Matthews, and Alex Ovechkin will all be able to go to the Olympics, which is awesome. Every th- I think every hockey fan is super excited about that. Owen fist-pumping across the table. He's very <laughs> excited. Oh, I'm so happy. As am, happy. I-, as am I. I. I think all hockey fans are really excited. So, uh, w- and we'll try to break down all teams... Uh, when it, leading up to the Olympics. Don't count out Germany. Don't count out Germany. Okay, I'm counting out Germany. But, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> Not for the gold, for
2: maybe a bronze.
0: Maybe a bronze? I don't think they'll make it out of their, vi- their division. Yeah. I
2: think they'll do decent. I do think something. China's
0: going to be a pretty uh, big threat to Team Germany. How shots many points like.
2: do you think McDavid will get against China? Oh my,
0: I'm if- scared for Team for China. So we'll talk about all this in next episodes. I just want to really get this in uh, quicker. But what do you think is what is your projected team Canada lines? Lines, okay. So, so let's hear what's here. Your first line, easy first line. We'll go back to we'll go back and forth. So so who's your first line? First off, first Mc, forward line. McDavid, McKinnon, Marner. McDavid, McKinnon, Marner. So I'm in the same boat. Same boat? Make okay. McKinnon, McKin- 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 McDavid, Marner. Who's your second line? Second
2: line, I can't break it up. i got to stay with Crosby, Bergeron, Marchand. Yep. You, you sticking with that? Yeah. I, Crosby, yeah. Bergeron, Marchand It's the easy one. What's your third line? This is where it gets a bit tough. I have Braden Point at center, uh, and then Huberto and Stone. But you could switch in... We're definitely looking at the same list, the sports net list. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. So I have a different no, no, line. no this. I In all seriousness, I think I I think it's I think I've got point, and then I. This could this give could, me your lines. My lines, I point uh, O'Reilly and uh, Huberto. Point O'Reilly and Huberto. Okay,
0: so I got uh, Huberto. Point and Stone. No, I got Huberdeau, John Tavares, and Mark Stone.
2: Okay. I think that's going to be a
0: line that's just going to grind you down. Yeah. And then I got Point with Stamkos and a Barzal,
2: because I think that's going to be a great line. Who you think do
0: Barzal's going to make it, like, I instead of an Barz- extra? I think Barzal's going to make it. We're definitely looking at, we're looking at the same list. If you've seen the Sportsnet post, then yeah. But uh, who, do you, who do you like? Defense? Who's your fourth line? Who's your fourth line?
2: Fourth line? Um... So, Couturier, he's got to be on the team. Oh, does he? No. Yes. I don't have one. He team, has to be on the team. Sean I Couturier choose him as an extra guy. But yeah, okay. I say Couturier, Shifley, Stamkos.
0: Nice. Okay, so you're leaving out Barzell and Tavares. Yeah. I don't like Tavares
2: much. I don't think he's as good as the hype.
0: I don't think you're as good as the hype. No, <laughs> I think this. Tavares is it's awesome. He's pretty amazing. Um,
2: Defense? All right, go ahead. Who's your first line. First line, uh, I've got, um, um, I'm gonna go Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. That one's, right. that I one's like set. It. I know it's, just the live, but it's set. Second line. Hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, let me go first line. Oh, okay. Let me choose my first line. So I'm going off the board and I'm choosing... The boy boy from Edmonton Oilers, Darnell Nurse. On the first pairing. And Kale McCarr on the first pairing. Who's your second pairing?
2: On the second pairing, I've got um, Morgan Riley, Kale McCarr. Okay.
0: Second pair, I got Shay Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. Uh
2: third, I've got uh Ekblad and Hamilton, which leaves Shabbat out and Byram out. Okay. And then I, and Nurse out. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't think, as much as I like Nurse, I don't know. Okay. And then my third line is Morgan Riley and Dougie Hamilton. Just a funny thing to say. You read the, uh, the list that says, uh, his his extras, and he goes, my apologies for leaving out, uh, Drew Doughty, blah, blah, blah. And he says, my apologies for leaving out, uh, Duncan Keith. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I, I I wouldn't have him as if an Duncan keeps on Team Canada. They're not winning gold. End of conversation. Yup.
0: Uh, well, I don't know. You could put me on. You could put me on Team Canada. Put me on the first line with McDavid and uh, McKinnon. Uh, we we still win gold. Like that's how stacked Canada is. And uh, who's your goalies? Goalies Price and uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Price and Mackenzie Blackwood. So I got Jordan Biddington and Mackenzie Blackwood. I don't think Price is gonna go. I don't think Price. If Price was going, then I think he would be. Yeah. But I don't think Flurry's going. Why I don't, don't think, you think Price is going? Because he's injured right now. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine by then. But he'll want to rest time. He's already won his golds.
2: Like okay, well here here's my thought then. Yeah. So if if Price doesn't go, then I'll have um, Blackwood and Darcy Kemper. Oh okay. Because uh, I really liked how Darcy Kemper played in the Worlds. You I don't thought. like Binner. I don't really. I think he was a one hit wonder. Like, really, he's like, been uh, he's been decent, like Nadalovich <laughs> and Andrew Hammond. I think he's been good as of as of decent, as of as of recent, not decent. Yeah, okay. Um, but he hasn't been the greatest. And I think you're playing on the Team Canada Olympic team. You need you you have to be more than decent. And I think Darcy Kemper has been that. All right, I and like so it. Mackenzie Blackwood, Darcy Kemper. If Price makes it, then Carey Price, Darcy Kemper. Blackwood is a scratch.
0: Okay, I like it. So you, uh, so we'll have, uh, if Price goes, Montreal Canadian Carey Price, Edmonton Oiler, Darcy Kemper. Oh wait, oh wait, he's in Colorado, right? Oh, that's my bad. That's my bad. Well, that's gonna be it for today. Uh, I know you. You want to sure, Get your final words in. I don't know. <laughs> now are you gonna say that? Uh, I was just. I'm just such, such a that. Such a shame. Such a shame. Ken uh,
2: Holland. Please. Ken Holland. Please get us a goalie.
0: There. Yeah. Yeah, help him out. I want to see McDavid do well, so please get him a goalie. Uh, but that's going to be it for our episode today. Thank you again to Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks, for um, for coming on our show. You can follow him at... Sorry, I'm just pulling up his at right now. You can follow Brendan at Batch Hockey on Twitter. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at jbailey23 and on Instagram at jbailey23. Follow Owen at owen... At <laughs> at Owen nine seven three five nine, he still gotta change that man. I don't
2: know how to change it. I don't know how to. I'll change show you how to change it. Um, okay, and I'm then
0: follow it. our podcast on all social platforms at Blue underscore Line underscore report on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, go uh, give this uh, rating a five star rating if you really liked it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.